Hello everyone. Today we will be concluding season two, where we have been looking at placement within a movement. And this is where I have to break some sad news to you. Our good friend, the talented Robbie Osenga, will no longer be our host, because I'm going to take you on the road with me. Our first guest will stay with us through season three, but by season four, we will be interviewing practitioners from all over this beautiful country. You won't want to miss it. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because we have a great episode today to finish off season two of We Have Permission, a podcast designed to awaken and empower the ordinary person towards one extraordinary mission. Your permission starts now. Hello and welcome back to the final episode of season two, episode five where we are going to talk about teachers. And so I think everyone knows uh, people with the gift of teachers uh, because oftentimes they're the ones with a mic strapped to their face or up on a stage. (laughs) And so, um, but uh, let's let's just talk about what are some of the the defining characteristics of teachers? Uh, Teachers are thinkers, observers. They're a little slower to analyze um, things. Um, they, They tend to be good guides people they want to guide people well uh in the best way possible they're critical critical thinkers okay you know thinking through things um and they're very insightful now wouldn't you say most uh professional christians Mm -hmm. (laughs) right the ones we pay the the ones we pay uh you and i both went to bible college uh you did the typical next thing which would be to go into ministry full-time right i did not right but isn't most training uh, for paid professional Christian work absolutely training to be a teacher? Yeah, right. I'll tell you, it, this was <laughs> case in point. Um, when I was trained at the Bible College I went to, um, I was taught that I needed to prepare one hour for every minute mm-hmm. that I preached. So if you're, if you're going, if you're going to have a 40 minute sermon, yeah. uh, that's your whole job. Yeah. All week. I mean, that was the expectation coming out of Bible college was that my main opportunity, my main job was to teach. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, when you think about that, if, if we acknowledge that some people have this natural gift, it's their right hand yep. to want to be reading and studying and, and figuring out the best, clearest way to communicate God's truth and diving into the theological practices and trying to put handles on it, right? Like yep, right. That, that is a natural wiring. And yet that's, uh, again, at least in, in you and I's experience, that's been a lot of what the main gift that's seen because again these people are often up on stages right and uh and we all know a good teacher oh yeah (laughs) right we do uh because they leave us feeling challenged Mm -hmm. and uh propelled and feeling like we can go and be a part of this thing right right Uh, and that's that's awesome so let's dive in what what is the passion of a teacher the passion, really, their passion is truth. Um, they love aiming people in the right direction through instruction, through correction, and through training. Um, spiritual truth is the teacher's playground. Actually, scriptural truth. I shouldn't even say spiritual. Okay. Scriptural truth is 
it's the playground for a teacher, but it's, it's sacred ground. Like yeah. they, they really understand how important this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't flippantly be teaching. This mm-hmm. is this is really important stuff. Like it's a word of God. We must handle it with a lot of respect. And so I, I think that's really cool is that they, they bring back, I think, that that uh, that respect and that awe of what of yeah. what the scriptures really, really are. That grounding. Yeah. Um, and they, they relish the moments where false assumptions are replaced with truth. What do you mean? So if, if somebody comes in with, you know, with an idea that is close to the truth, but not quite like that, that is like, that is, I think that's just what excites the teacher the most is to say, let me give you the full truth here to help. And it can course correct their idea, their, yeah. their, 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 um, their knowledge of what, of what that, of that thing is. So that's, that, that really gets a, gets a teacher going. All right, so with that, what's the fuel? The fuel would be that they're teaching off of something that has high credibility. Okay. And so referring to something that is highly credible is really a big deal. And so for the Christian, their fuel would be the Bible. Yeah. The Bible is just this, as we know, this incredibly mysterious and yet very proven document that that stands alone and they just they want to use that word as as the basis for everything okay so is there a different fuel then for the for when they're interacting with the non-christian well i think i just think the non-christian teacher would value the same thing but they might not call the bible the same they might not call the bible the reference that they would call but but for those who have come to know the bible as being so yeah, foundational. Uh, that that ends up becoming becoming their obsession, which in a good it's a good thing. Like right. I just think they they become a, our, our teachers obsess about teaching and about the Bible to the point where sometimes it's the only lens in which they see through. Um, but it's a good lens to look through. Absolutely, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and 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 I think they're they're just they're fueled by knowledge in general. They love oh, right. learning right. and passing on this knowledge to other people. So oftentimes and you and I both know great teachers in our lives. They're not just experts in Greek and Hebrew right. and in ex- expounding on scripture. They also they just know things <laughs> like they're yeah. just this yeah. depth of knowledge that, that you don't want to play Trivial Pursuit with them because right. they will always right. win. Um, but you, they, you love that because they help make sense of the world. If you ever walked into a true teacher's office, you have a hard time sitting down because there's books everywhere. Yeah, they, they, they have this insatiable desire to learn. Yeah. And there is just, um, there's always a, a book is their friend. They almost yep. see them as friends of them. Like it's hard for them to, <laughs> I've, I've talked to some teachers. It's just hard for them to let some of these books go. Absolutely. Like they just, they want to, yeah. they want to keep all of these close by. It's kind of cool. Okay. So if their passion is truth and their fuel uh, is the Bible and his knowledge, um, then what's their role in the context of the church? Yeah. Their role would be contagious learning. Um, apostles don't mind saying the same thing over and over and over again, but the teacher kind of gets bored with the same thing and they always want new stuff and they want to expand on this and they're always learning, which is really a great, a great role, but they, they want that to be contagious. Like this learning can't just be monopolized by one or two, um, 
But oftentimes our culture has put them in a position where we do monopolize it and we do say you're the only teacher. And that's that's dangerous. But I think a true spirit of a teacher is that they want other people to learn as well, like yeah. to, to pass this on contagiously. Now, in, in uh, episode four of season one, was we were kind of just broadly talking about the eight past you had said something that was we don't need a lot yeah that's <laughs> of right. teachers which is interesting because in our last episode last week we talked about we need a lot of shepherds right right <laughs> okay, so um why why would you say that not many should presume to even be or to seek out being teachers what, yeah. what, where does that come from that comes from james okay um, i mean that's that's just like scripture so not many of us should presume to be teachers yeah (laughs) um and i and i think that it's true that that the scope of a teacher can be wider than the scope of a shepherd what do you mean so they 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 can they can they can influence a greater number of people where a shepherd's probably their their max influence is going to be you know their their close proximity of 15 to 20 people so unlike the shepherds um where we need lots, we actually don't need as many teachers. But, However, a true teacher is put in a place to equip the saints to teach as well. Um, this is this is a new a, a kind of a new idea for me um, because we've had, quite honestly, our culture. This is not the teacher's fault, but our culture has elevated our teachers to a point where we feel like they are indispensable. Yeah, and and, if, and <clears throat> actually in Hebrews five eleven to fourteen. Um, he talks about how important it is, uh, Paul is talking about how important it is that we should be making other teachers. Like that, that a teacher's role is to create more teachers, to teach themselves, to feed themselves. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty easy for, um, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that text, he talks about milk versus solid food. And milk in that context is referring to nothing more than a pre-digested meal. And if we continue to create a dependence upon a teacher, hmm. then we are really just going to remain immature infants that no matter how deep the sermon is, it's still pre-digested meal. It's still yeah. something I didn't learn to dive into myself. Yeah. And I have seen some really, really good examples of this where teachers, I think, have this ability naturally, especially if we help them understand this, that they have this ability naturally to help us dive into the word ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all sat in a classroom where the teacher is a great teacher because he keeps saying, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah. You know, there's there's just this way in which yeah. he makes you think and grapple and make that distinctive yourself. And it and encourages you to, basically equips you to go and, and to dig and deeper. Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like they... Uh, a great teacher turns into a referee in a classroom. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, helping people. Okay. What do you think about that? And get, we're, let, let's go deeper. Where, where'd you get that from? Right. That right. they're, they're, they're calling us deeper uh, into that as opposed to uh, everyone quiet and listen to my wisdom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I, I do think that maybe we've seen too many examples maybe outside of the church where people stand up in front of a prof- as a professor or something and say, Hey, here's all my credentials. Yep. This is, this is where I went to school. Yep. This is what I know. This is what, yep. Based on that. Now I have the, the ability to teach you this. Yep. A, a, a teacher of the word of God is, is resting on the word. Yep. They're not resting on their own credentials. Mm-hmm. And so they have this ability to come in and just say, um, let me let me just let me just unpack this for you. And people walk away and they don't think, wow, he was smart. 
They walk away remembering the true source, which was the word of God. And that's that's, that's like the referee thing, yeah. right? So if you walk away from a game, you want to talk about the game. You don't want to talk about how the ref was standing up and kind of taking over the whole show. No. Uh, this is this is this is the true nature of a teacher. Is they have this innate ability to 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 open the word and let it come alive for yeah. you that you can actually then in turn make it come alive for someone else and it passes yeah. on. Yeah. And again that's just in our culture because so much of Christian teaching is in this 40 to 45 minute uninterrupted segment. Right. Um that makes maybe some teachers, people who actually have this gift, yep. feel like they don't really have a, a place yeah. to, to teach. Right, right. Um, or a means or a mechanism, because if it's not that, then it's not. Right. Um, and yet, um, that's just one place right. where this gift can be used, right? right? right. Not, uh, not the only. And I think you and I both would put a little blame on our culture. Um. For, for whatever reason, I think you had mentioned this before, like in the 40s and 50s, right? Yeah, there was, I think there was such a pushback uh, just coming out of um, some of the World War One and World War Two, where there was just this need to prove what right and wrong was, what mm-hmm. moral truth was mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this evil and darkness around the world, that there became this opportunity to proclaim truth. Mm-hmm. And so the sermon became this it, it took on a life of its own up up to that point in time in most christian services the sermon was maybe a homily uh yeah. eight to ten minutes sort of a small portion of the service and the the eucharist or the communion hmm. was, was maybe the highest part yeah. then it, the pendulum kind of swings a little bit as we're trying to prove right and wrong we're trying to you know defend the credibility of the creation right. story all that kind of stuff it became a centerpiece. Uh, it became the centerpiece, and so the, the teaching got elevated. Yeah, and it's and it stayed that way for a while now. And then you just you throw the internet and mass media and all this kind of stuff on it, and so it's yeah. it's taken on a bit of a life of its own. Right. Um, but now it's the pendulum's maybe gone even further because anyone can be a teacher because anyone can like us can record a podcast and put it out there, right? <laughs> right. And become. Uh, and, and there's so many means and mechanisms to become, which is again, well, let's, let's see if we can't help bring that pendulum back yeah, towards center to a healthy space. And so, um, Neil Cole, yep. he, he, there's a sort of four checklist yeah. that he has that helps us kind of, that you found helpful to determine yeah. what is a, what is good teaching? Yeah. He, he mentioned four pieces, uh, to good teaching. He also is the one who told me. Before I do the four pieces, he's also the one kind of related to what we're just talking about. He said, isn't it interesting that we have set our churches up with a podium up front with with rows out uh, out from it that, that that's very lecture mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. And that that very much is not probably what the early church looked like. Right. And if, if a shepherd was going to organize a structure, some couches, we're going to be hanging around and talking to each other. But it, it is a dominantly teacher-oriented culture that we are in. And that's why, you know, even though the structure of our churches is set up the way it is. But anyway, he gives us four pieces to a good teaching. Uh, number one is that get the message right. Like, it's really important that we are going to do the, say the right things. Like, hermeneutics is important here, yeah. right? Um, uh, next communicate clearly that's your homiletics. That's let's like, make sure that what we say is going to come out in a very clear way. So it's the right thing said, said, said clearly. Number three, 
make it applicable. Obedience, let's make no mistake, obedience is what changes lives. We talked about that with our Discovery Bible Studies. Not knowledge only. And then number four, we have this equip and release. So we're releasing your people to to, to do the same. Um, Multiple references to Scripture and constant references to the Greek and to the Hebrew from our pulpits only communicate a message to our congregation that they are not smart enough and that they need to stay dependent on this teacher. Our teachers have got to find ways, I think. This is number four is a hard one, but to find ways to equip our members of our congregations to actually replicate what has been preached from the pulpit. Okay, so... Um, maybe in their youth or in their uh, just in their new awareness of having this teaching gift, what are some of the weaknesses that, that jump out at you, Pete, from, yeah. from being uh, a teacher? Uh, sometimes the study obsession can create a knowledge over obedience-driven kind of life. Okay. And I think that's just a natural one for all of us. I, mean, sure. I, I think that's, that's, that's important. They see Scripture as being the answer to everything, which is really true. You can find an answer to everything in the Word. Um, But at the expense, a lot of times, of apostles and prophets not having much of a role. And some teachers become so obsessed with the Word that they even have the position that maybe the apostles and and prophets don't even exist, as we've talked about before. Right. And there's the potential to make it... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Right. <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit is not still alive and well and speaking and moving. Right. Right. Um, so teachers can become powerful solo leaders that hmm. no one questions. Hmm. And this is never a good idea. I mean, when, whenever we have anyone elevated to a high position. Um, pretty interesting as I've been studying organic churches and this idea of house churches and things of that nature. One of the first questions that seems to come up is how are you going to keep heresy from entering into these untrained people leading Bible studies? Yeah. And Neil Cole talks a lot. He's, he's seen over 10,000 of these churches to um, house churches um, birth. And he said, it's, it's, it's super cool to see how natural it is for um, self course correction to happen when you are in a smaller environment. Yeah, but it, it's easier to to have that dialogue and to have that kind of checks and balances yeah. when everyone's clearly at the same level. Right. It's right. When someone starts to get elevated, right, where it's that much harder to be able to right. keep the checks and balances. And, and we've seen some incredible <laughs> teachers that oh really gosh. know so much yeah. stuff that I've have I still have a lot of respect for. Absolutely, I've learned like, a ton. From some of these, and and, yeah. and, I, and I've had like from 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 guys like Rob Bell, yep. and Mark Driscoll, yep. who were incredible teachers. I think still yep. are incredible teachers, yep. but that elevation ended up creating more of a heretical problem than yeah. than rather when well, they're in this, a vacuum and, and yeah, just, they, it's it's an unhealthy place. I think all of them, hopefully, in as as things have kind of wound down from their the chaos of of their missteps would admit that uh, they were too isolated and, and, and elevated to too high of a status. I, I also would say that one of our weaknesses that our culture has had is that we have elevated the male role mm. pretty high in this, specifically in this regard. And I, I want to apologize if even if I think my language is often referring to like he 
or him or, you know, I, I say that a lot in all of these roles, but women have distinct characteristics of all of these gifts as well. And so when we say that everyone has these gifts, everyone has these gifts. Yeah. And somebody gave Beth more a chance. Right. Right. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing teacher. Yeah. And we, yeah. we really, we really, I think need to try to, um, to just make sure that everyone has this opportunity, not just men in yeah. our churches. Yeah. And again, since, since our culture has elevated the teacher to such a high public viewable status, mm-hmm. uh, in the way we kind of quote unquote do church right now, right. Um, it has made that, um, male female divide that much more controversial, yeah. uh, because we've just, we've, we've isolated this particular gift to being yep. at the, at the pinnacle uh, and then when you when you see so few women in that, yeah. it just makes all the other gifts feel like they're off limits. That's right. Uh, and That's what right. a unintended consequence! Absolutely, <laughs> but uh, a, a horrific one. You're you're a dad of daughters, so am I. Yeah. Uh, my wife's incredibly more smart than me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she, Amen. Yes. <laughs> and it's and it's uh, it's just one of those things that is uh, as we. It's why I love the APEST conversation. Yeah. Because it, it is for all. It is for all. All. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So, um, with, with those weaknesses in mind, let, let's talk about the practical application. Yeah. I've got two practical applications for the non-teacher. Um, one, would you please do what the teacher is teaching? Hmm. practice what the teacher is teaching make it an obedience based message and 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 make sure that you are able to find ways to replicate what they're teaching to others those are the, the those those two two things do something and then replicate the the, the message yeah. and then let your let your teacher know what they just did how that affected you yeah um too often and i've been in a teacher role a lot um too often the thing that reinforces the negativity that we have seen and the pedestal problem that we've seen is that people will come and say i really loved your sermon i really loved your point i really loved your 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 you know what <laughs> you and i have both walked off stages and gotten the right exact you, you, same get, you get you get you get you get you kind of get puffed up with mm-hmm. this knowledge that i've just yeah. distributed but if people would come back to me and say, you know, you said it in such a way that I was able now to um, share it with my friends. Yeah. And you said it in such a way that it convicted me to do this. Now we're going to be reinforcing the right kinds of things to the teacher rather than the bad things. You know, what what has meant the most to me as a teacher is not those immediate comments that come right after I walk off the stage mm. and the mics turn off. Yeah. But it's the text a day or two later yep. or the email that comes through. That just says, hey, (laughs) what you said spoke to me in this way. I've done this. I had this conversation with my wife. Oh, wow. My my son and I sat down and we talked through this differently yesterday. Thank you for sharing that, right? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. That uh, way better. And and that that tells us, okay, let's keep working towards that end. Yes. It kind of reinforces that. There's one other thing, too, that I, I've done personally over the years is that some of my teacher friends that just love to read, mm-hmm. 
I will I will give them books. Yeah. And they will vet for me. Yeah. And I'll say I'll say, is this one worth reading? Yeah. Um what 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 parts of this one should I read? And then sometimes they'll say, You gotta read this whole book. And I'm like those though that is such a gift. Like yeah. some people that are just like consuming all the time. Yeah. Use that. Use yeah. that in a way that kinda helps helps everyone. Hmm. Well we're at the end of not just this episode but this season. Right. So if you were to kind of put a a, a ribbon around this yep. whole concept of the ape pest. Um, let, let's zoom out big. Yeah. Like yeah. big picture. Yeah. Um, special thanks to Alan Hirsch and Neil Cole um, for giving me so much material, giving us so much material to work with, first yep. of all. Um, but I, I, I think the big picture thing that we, we can't lose sight of our apostles and our prophets are our start and go team. Yeah. Our shepherds and our teachers are our stay and grow team. And our evangelists are playing Rover. They just, they, <laughs> they, they're awesome in both. They're yeah. awesome in both. So that's kind of the big picture. I don't want us to always remember, um, to remember that, as, um, as we go forward. Um, and let's remember this, that the goal here's, so it's so important. The goal of this is that all of us reach maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what we started with in Ephesians 4. That all of us yeah. would reach maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the ultimate goal is not for you to reach the fullness of Christ. The ultimate goal is not for even your church to reach the fullness of Christ. The ultimate goal is for our cities to see the fullness of Christ. That our bowling alleys, our bars, and our coffee shops would be full of the fullness of Christ and that mm. everyone would have an opportunity to see who our great Savior and King is. Hmm. Well, um, so then maybe an application point I think would be helpful just for this whole concept, not just for the teachers, yeah, uh, but for the application of, of APEST personally at a micro level. Um, what would you say to us? Well, I'd like to remind everyone that what we said at the beginning of this season, um, and we've said it throughout this entire um, this entire season, is that all of us have all the gifts. Yeah. Some of us have just had more playing time <laughs> than others. Um, what I mean by that is that you and I have been right. in ministry. Right. Um, I've been more in the paid position, but you, you've been you've been in that realm too. Yeah. And when you're one of the paid professionals, you just get more playing time. Yeah. And it may come as a surprise to a lot of people, but two of my weakest gifts, the two weakest gifts I have, are shepherd and then and then teacher. Hmm. A lot of my alums would probably say, oh. Pete's a shepherd. He got he he was with me through this really hard time. I remember when he said this, this yeah, teaching, this right. teaching. They still like you get quoted a lot. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's just not my gift. It really isn't. I mean, it was something I developed. It was something sure. I had to work on. But it's because I was you were given more playing time. Given more playing time, and um, I think the thing that's really a tragedy is when people don't even get playing time with their their dominant gift. Oh man. You know, yeah. we have got to have eyes to help see 
what people's gifts are that are latent, that, that you know is right there at the surface, and then give them a chance to get in the game. Hmm. Um, so I'd like to end with two challenges. Okay. Um, very practical. Uh, one would be, please be willing to use your weaker gift. Um, you know what your gift, dominant gift is. And I think we all know that it's easy to say, well, that's not me, so I'll let someone else do it. Well, when, <laughs> when, when, we're, when we're on mission, yeah. when we're at work, there may be no one else to do that gift, and you need to develop whatever that gift that's needed there is. So please be willing to practice your weaker gift. That's number one. And then number two, have eyes to see who needs to be given a chance. Hmm. Given a chance to use their gift. And then give it to them. Like Jesus, let's be quick to give our authority away. The mission is too great for us to pay a few professionals to accomplish this (laughs) great goal. Enter the game. It is a fun adventure. And we all get to play.